going on guys so we have joey today uh joey is a reseller and a financial coach so first off welcome joey to the podcast all right thank you for having me definitely man um so kind of give us the background about you like uh what's been your day job so far like what got you into reselling what got you into financial coaching and reselling as well so i've been reselling since 2000 on ebay Mm -hmm. uh, off and on just to pay for certain goals, certain things we were saving for, um, kind of fell away from it for a little bit. And then when I went back to get my, uh, my MBA, I started selling again, to sort of pay for classes and being a reseller, I realized that there's a, uh, a need in the reselling community for financial planning, for financial coaching, for long-term goal planning, retirement savings, all that kind of stuff. And I felt like, man, I, I could really help some people out by being able to pass on my knowledge of both worlds to people. I also use reselling as a tool when I'm working with clients to help them get out of debt as a, one of the reasons and paths that they choose. Um, yeah, so it's been a great tool to have and that's about Definitely. it. Perfect, yeah, no, cool man. There's a couple of topics that, that's kind of uh, flown out at me. So first off, like, Oh, why have somebody, why have your clients start reselling? Is it just a way to make the extra cash to try to get out of debt? Uh, or what was like, what's the main reason? Yeah, it's probably the easiest and fastest thing they could do mm -hmm. to get started. They all have stuff around their house that they don't need. They need to declutter. Um, and instead of throwing it out, let's make some cash off of it and put that cash to good use. You know, yeah, start paying down some stuff. Yeah, get that budget going, fill in those gaps and then start, start living a life. It's kind of interesting. A lot of people, except for resellers, once you get into the reselling world, you kind of see everything as a dollar amount, which is interesting. Not a lot of people see that. No, I do. I, I, I was actually at, at Target the other day, and I saw a guy wearing a vintage um, like basketball shirt, like T-shirt from like 1996 NBA champ shirt or something. I knew it was a vintage shirt. And I knew how much it cost. Right? They asked me two years ago before I started selling, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't know any of that. So oh, it's a cool shirt, but I'm like, oh, it's vintage and that's at least $45 on eBay, maybe more depending on the condition and the great. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely see things in a different light. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I kind of seen interesting, even the clients that we work at Hammock, right, is a lot of people don't even know their numbers, especially like the profit and loss. Um, majority on the eBay side, if you get into more Amazon, it's more like structures. So there's a lot more, mm -hmm. a lot more numbers. It's easier to grab too. But like what, why ha what have you seen and why don't people know their numbers, especially in the business, let alone like their personal finances? Well, I think of the business, especially if you look at eBay in the past, it was very, uh, disjointed. So you had several companies running your numbers for you. You had your eBay sales that run through PayPal, fees from here, fees from eBay, and then you, you know, deduct out. So you had a lot of different numbers to work with. Um, I personally like managed payments. I know that's a big thing people mm. were sort of iffy on because managed payments, when I get paid, that's my money, mm. right? So all the fees are taken out. And then I just have to do a simple math equation of what did I pay for the item minus what I'm getting out of eBay. That's my profit. So it's really easy on that end. Um, I think what I noticed in the beginning a few years ago when I was really diving deep into this is a lot of people in the reselling world uh, live in the here and now or they're to their next sale. They're not thinking two, three, four, five years ahead as far as investing and saving and reinvest, re, um, reinvesting into your business and pulling percentages out. A lot of people live by the seat of their pants. They live by their next sale. Mm. They get in trouble. So I think it's a long-term, it's a long-term gain. It's a long-term 
goal for this. You want to build a business. You don't want to build a, uh, something that lasts two or three months. You know, mm -hmm. if that's your, if that's what you want to do, then it's fine. But if you're in this to really be in it long term, which is what a lot of the sellers are promoting on their, on their Instagram channels and YouTube is how to do this long term, mm -hmm. then you really have to know what's going on and you really have to dive deep. It's not just about that next sale or the next pallet. You have to really be methodical about what you're listing, how you're listing it, going over your prices on a consistent basis. Uh, delisting, relisting, uh, and just trying to find different things that work for you. Because what works for you may not work for uh, the next person. So you really have sure. to scale it to your specific business and just take, I'm a big believer of taking bits and pieces from everybody. Mm -hmm. and what works for them may not work for me, but I'll find a little thing and tweak it to work for me better. And that's how I, that's how I work with people. That's how I work my business. It's a constant improvement, right? It's not just yeah. like a one to zero, right? Or a one to a hundred. It's just constantly those steps. Like you kind of talked about the processing. Yeah. Especially on the yeah. processing side, like listing, delisting, relisting. A lot of people really struggle with that kind of stuff just because it's a lot of effort and a lot of work, but let alone like it, everything gets lost. We, we're working with one lady right now. Um, she has like five different processes going, right? And we're trying to like, okay, this is how you streamline, this is how you start cutting things down. Let's start getting you to move forward because the more things you have all over the place, the harder it is for you to scale just in general, right? And like you kind of, you just said, like, and then the more of a side hustle it is, right? Rather than a full-fledged business, which is, it's, just, it's, it's honestly it's fascinating just in general. Right, and I, I think it's really, there's something to people who, if you think of yourself as a business, even if you're selling one item a day or one item a week, if you think of yourself as a business and have that mindset, you'll mm -hmm. treat it differently than just, you know, like you said, a side hustle. Side hustles are great. They usually evolve into full-time things, but side hustles, I look at those as like um, shooting stars, right? They're right there, boom, flash in the pan. You get burned out pretty quickly and you move on to some, something else. If you really want to scale a business, you really have to think of it as a foundational mindset of how do I get bigger? How do I get better? Uh, and just have that, you usually will see yourself uh, sit up better, sit up more with a better posture, you know, have that more a better of a mindset if you're a business owner. And you have to just start thinking that. Yeah, let's, let's even dive deeper into that, like mindset wise. Uh, one of my, uh, I lived with this guy back in the day and like, he's like, if I made a couple grand off a sale, I would just quit, right? Or I, 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 would, I, I, I wouldn't work for a while. Like, what's the different mm -hmm. mindset? What, like, what's a weight? Let me actually, I'll actually, make this question a little more interesting what's a way to improve your mindset and to instead of like that that side hustle mindset to like that like full-fledged business mindset what's a way to keep improving on it i think it's uh, initially it's to set mini goals and i think I like if you that. can hit those mini goals uh make them realistic and once you start hitting them you start getting a sense of accomplishment so when I work with clients on paying off debt, we would use the debt snowball method, which is made popular by Dave Ramsey. Mm -hmm. So what that is, you pay all your debt smallest to largest. You put everything you can at the smallest, you pay it off as quickly as you can, you roll it into the next one, you roll the next one. So by the time you get to your, your biggest debt, you're paying a huge chunk of money, but you have all these wins along the way. Mm -hmm. So you get this um, positive reinforcement to keep going. So if you set up something where, and I, I've been in chat rooms and in Facebook groups where people are just starting out and the first thing they did was they bought a pallet of something and they get on the board and they ask a question of, did I do good? What should I sell this for? Yeah. Uh, does anybody know this brand? And it's like, if you don't know what you're selling, how can, how can you really be successful at selling it? Right. Yeah. So set up a mini win. That's why when I start with clients and we get them started like on eBay and Poshmark, it's basically get something out of your closet 
that you know, you know the shirt, you know the item, you can describe it in your sleep. That's going to be a good testament to writing a description on eBay. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a good, uh, if somebody asks you a question, you can answer it right away. You know the product and you're invested and then you know what to sell it for. And then when you make that sale, you go through the process of, okay, I got the money and I can ship it. Good. And then worry about scaling up at that point. Don't worry about starting with, I need to make hundred sales in the first day. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Start one sale the first week or two and you'd be great. And then start getting better. My goal is now two sales a week, three sales a week, four sales a week. And that's just like, the, you know, yeah. The progression, right? Like that's all, it's all about just keep building that progression. Like you said, that snowball, it, it does help out a lot. Right. Yeah. On, on, on like your clients that you bring in for like the financial side um, with like, is, is other than reselling, do you have them do anything else in terms of like, like getting out of debts? Like, or is, or is like, or, and also a majority of clients is the main reason why they're in debt because they're spending too much or they just don't, or, or they just are, they're struggling with saving. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a broad spectrum. So it really depends on their, their money scripts, which is basically how they were raised and what sort of events transpired on them to sort of shape the way they view money. Some people are absolute spenders. And some people are absolute savers. Some people are in between. Some people are oblivious to the fact that, you know, you spend more on credit cards than if you used to pay cash. Uh, and so people just sometimes are just scared to talk about money. Money is one of those three things you don't talk about with, with people. Yeah. It's usually money, sex, and religion, mm -hmm. right? So, but it's one of those things you, you should talk about with people and you should have a grasp of, especially with your family or somebody that's close to you or somebody you want to be your um, accountability partner in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm working with people who are getting out of debt, it's basically, especially in California, but it's all over the place. It's income, income to spending levels. Like people have a tendency to overspend uh, and live outside their means because we're all keeping up with the Joneses. We're all watching mm -hmm. that, seeing that Instagram video of that, you know, that mom with three kids at the beach and you're sitting with mom, you know, you know I want to go to the beach too. So just charge it and go. And two years later, you're like, oh man, I got all this debt. I don't know I'm going to do this. Some people don't mind living in the debt world. I mean, they mm. operate just fine. It's not important to them enough to get out. Mm. Other people realize they're stuck and they see that they're robbing themselves of their retirement because mm. yeah, they're living in the now, but they have nothing for later. Yep. And so they realize they have to make that change. So when I'm working with, again, when I work with people, it's usually budget shortfalls. I mean, they okay. don't have enough in their budget to cover their expenses or to um, make any real dent so we have to sort of figure out a way to increase income and decrease spending along the way. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing in the business world. When you think about profitability, right? Yep. Either decrease your prices uh, and increase your sales or vice versa. So you can make a profit. Same thing you got to do with your internal budget. So I'll have them do things like eBay and Poshmark to get started. But I also have them do with other side hustles like Uber, uh, grocery delivery, like Instacart, Ship, DoorDash, stuff like that. Easy things that they could sign up for on their phone, get out, make quick bucks, influx of cash into their system and see those positive wins going on. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And then, uh, what, what, let's go to three, like what biggest traps you see people falling in to get in that debt. And then on top of that, the next question, like the following question is like, you seem like the Dave Ramsey, like you've read the Dave Ramsey books. I saw on your, uh, your, um, your uh, website, you, you've, you've had pictures with Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Is there a good side to debt as well? All right. So the big, uh, biggest traps you said, yep. hmm. three biggest traps. 
I think I think the first one would be not researching, right? So what I like to do is you got to do your due diligence when you're buying something. If it's if you can afford it and you want to buy it, do your due diligence on where you can get the best price for it. Don't always just settle on the first place place you see because you may end up seeing it later on for cheaper. And always just have a little bit of sense of like pause, pausability when you're buying something big. Always like to give myself a couple of days if I want to buy something um, to make sure I really want it. And I'm not just going to buy it. It's going to sit in the box of my house and I wasted a ton of money on it. Right? That's probably the first one. Um, the second one is not having a budget. I mean, actually, that might be the first one. The budget for me is foundational. Right? Everything you do above and beyond in your financial planning life or financial life is built upon that budget. You need to know where your money's going. Um, and how you're spending it. Because if you don't know where it's going, it's just going to go else, elsewhere, fly around, and you have no idea, you have no control over it. So you have to keep mm -hmm. control over it. And what I like to tell my clients with a budget is it's not uh, it's not a restrictive thing. You don't think about being on a budget. I can't spend money on this. I can't go here. Oh my gosh. As long as you build it into your budget uh, and it works with your numbers and it works within your goals, I'm fine. I'm fine when we're working together. If you want to put in a budget line that you want to have a, a eating out budget of a thousand dollars a month mm. and you have no debt, great. Mm. But if you have, you know, $50,000 in debt, you know, maybe, maybe we've got to decrease that a little bit <laughs> and refocus a little bit. And then later on, you can go eat out all you want, you know, this is yeah. the priorities and goals there. And I think just, again, the sense of uh, the biggest one would be, again, no long-term planning. Again, living in the here and now part of it, and it's not planning long term. So people sacrifice their retirement accounts. They're only doing the bare minimum mm -hmm. if their employer does it. Uh, if you're self-employed, like most of us are in the eBay e-commerce world, mm -hmm. we have we we probably don't have anything except if we worked at a corporate job in the past. We haven't even thought about a 401k or a simplified plan or anything for retirement. We're just reselling is the way we're going to do it, right? Yeah, resell forever. We've seen a lot of like um, people probably in their 40s or uh, probably 60s and uh, 50s and 60s. They're like, I'm reselling as my retirement, right? There's this one guy, uh, he's, he started reselling as his retirement plan, right? Like yeah. you're going to hit on top of the head, right? Not not, not too much uh, planning in the future. And like he's already yeah. in his 50s or 60s. I don't know exactly age, but that's what he seemed like. Um, and and he, he like, he's like, oh, I've got to resell. That, that doesn't seem like the best. Uh, I love reselling, you know, but it doesn't seem like the the best backup plan is to start reselling to keep, keep some cash. Yeah. I tell my elderly people I work with that I want to resell when I'm older because I want to, not because I have to, I don't want to rely on selling, you know, this little porcelain and Mickey doll to pay for my prescription and hope yep. it sells this month. Cause I need to buy the pills. I don't want to live like that. So I, you know, you got to make sure you have something in place that you can at least sustain your existence with and then do reselling on top of it for fun. Yeah. And that, that brings into like, even like you start looking shorter term, right? You kind of talked about like not having long-term plans. Like if you're like, if you're trying to resell for your next prescription, it's like you, you want it bad and you start cutting corners and that can either, that usually ends up bad. Like cutting corners never really happens. It, it never really happens out good. Right. It's usually, it's yeah. just like a negative effect. You don't want to sacrifice your uh, principles in order to make a quick sale. So you don't want to, so if you're the type of person that you sell, you know, X amount of dollar items always. I always sell $15 and up items, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then man, I got to sell this thing for $2 or $3 just to get a sale and be like, boom, boom. That's not your business model or business plan. So yep. don't adapt on the fly to something else because you're just going to get it. It's just going to screw it up. Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, uh, I, I can't say it any better than that, I think. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Don't do it. 
<laughs> and then, and then on, on, in terms of the debt side, is, is there any positives to debt that you believe? Well, being a Dave Ramsey uh, coach, uh, I would say there's no debt is good debt. Okay. Uh, the only debt that in that world that we're okay with is uh, mortgage debt okay. in a sense. 30 year fixed, uh, sorry, 15 year fixed is probably the best way to go. One fourth of your income, look for something in that range. It's only real good debt. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, credit card debt for miles. Mm -hmm. If you do the math on it, it's like you're spending a lot of money to get a little bit of in return. You know, I got one, I paid for a trip to Florida this year on a flight, $300 flight. How much did you spend out 30 grand on my credit card? The reason why is there's the potential of risk there. And I like to mm -hmm. remove risk from the equation. You, it's discipline like we talked about earlier with paying things off. So if you have no debt and you have a credit card that you spend monthly on and then you pay it off, right? That's, that's fine because you, you've put it in your budget and you're disciplined enough to do that. However, you're always introducing an element of risk because there might be a month where sales are short and now you have a balance carryover. Now you have interest and then maybe you miss a payment because of a family emergency. Now your interest rate goes from six to 16 or mm -hmm. 24. And now you're all of a sudden you look up two months from now and you're like, man, that's a lot of extra money I have to pay. So that yep. element of risk that you in, in put into the equation and into your life is for some people, they can handle it for others. Not, I like to just try to remove as much risk as possible. Yeah, especially if people are already in debt, then let's, let's remove that risk, right? Yeah. There's a high uh, correlation with people who have done debt consolidation, which mm -hmm. essentially is one of those things where you roll your debts into one payment and you're like, okay, great, I'm going to be done after this. And within two or three years, they're still paying their debt consolidation and they've racked up the same amount of debt on the backside. Yep. Well, that's how, that's how everybody makes money, right? In terms of like yeah. credit card and everything. I'm, I'm in a little bit different uh, mentality, uh, like especially like in the resale. If if I believe that I can use debt to then use leverage, um, obviously, like you said, it does bring a lot of risk in. Uh, but like my past was Amazon, um, and we had about a hundred and fifty, hundred and seventy-five thousand in debt, um, and that ended up uh, growing about one point six million in, in uh, ARR, right? So we did we did lever up pretty hard, but like you said. If anything would have happened, that would have been catastrophic. Oh, it would, it would have hurt pretty badly, right? Right. Everything had to go just right for that to occur, right? Any little bump along the way. Yep. So that, that element of risk that's there. And if you're able to handle that and you're able to go through that, then go for it. I'm always here to help you get out of it on the back end. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, man. I like that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's jump into some like reselling sides, right? Um, so what, like, what do you start out reselling and where do you, like, what do you do right now for the resale? Are you like uh, the thrift model, garage sale model? Um, and then what, what, how'd you, how'd you even start out in resale? You said you started back in the uh, two, early 2000s, right? Yeah. So in early 2000, I sold uh, sports cards. Nice. From my personal collection, just bought and sold. Uh, and then just things around the house, like CDs, DVDs, um, uh, video games, stuff like that. And then just, did that for a really long time. I still have a, wish I could turn my camera around. I have still have a ton of cards just on my table here that I'm going through. I didn't realize how many I had. <laughs> That's what <laughs> happens when you buy, right? You just keep buying and you realize, oh my God, I got a ton. I got to get rid of. But I did that for a while and then kind of just in and out for a bit. You know, I was, mm -hmm. I was with eBay back when you didn't have photos and you had uh, money orders and checks in the mail. Interesting. You had to wait seven days to clear before you could ship, that kind of thing. Oh, it was Damn. A wild west. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that was fun. And then, so then we recently, um, I had surgery about two and a half, three years ago on my shoulder and I was incapacitated for a while. And while I was home, I started pulling stuff out of my closet. Like, I'm not wearing this anymore. I'm not wearing this. Let me just put something up on eBay. And I put up um, like a football jersey and it sold to overseas, like right away. I was like, oh, okay. Just sitting in my closet. There's just money sitting in my closet, you know? Yep. And that sort of got the bug back. You know, that, that again, going back, that's that short little win yep. that I had that sort of propelled me to kind of like, okay, let's try to find that next thing I could sell. And so we just started listing here and there stuff around the house and then got into the thrifting model where we went to the thrift stores to resell mm-hmm. things. And then we found some really big scores. And those are the things that kind of keep you going. And you find that yep. thing for a dollar and you sell it for a hundred. Yeah. yeah. Those are the things that are like, oh, how can I find more of these? Yeah. <laughs> this would be that great. nice, doesn't it? Yeah. It's awesome. But then you realize you go down to your, my garage and you're looking, man, there's a lot of stuff I bought that I thought would sell that's just still sitting here. Mm-hmm. And I have to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> Yep. And it's hard to liquidate too. Like garage sale, you can just garage sale and make some cash, but it's, it's very, very yeah. hard to liquidate that used items for sure. Yeah. Especially now during lockdowns, we can't have garage sales or anything. True. So I'm just sitting there with a lot of stuff that I'm like, this is, this, this would be definitely good garage sale material, but I just have to hold on to it or donate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a creek. And yeah. touching on, touching on the sports cars, like what, uh, have you done any sports card investing? I know like Gary V and these, uh, like, so there's some big money going into sports card. Now, what did Wayne Gretzky sold for like 1.2 or something like that? So high number, it was in the millions, right? Yeah. Yeah. That one always sells high. Um, the mantle always goes, there's the, the, um, oh, what's the one 1909 card. That's, that's the rare card guy. He's, the top of my head it's the one that's always like they've never found enough copies of it and that's the one that always gets sold for a couple million dollars every time it comes up there's so much money in that right now yeah I yeah it. i know it's crazy i mean now i mean i think you're referring to it and correct me if i'm wrong now you can actually buy shares of sports cards yeah yeah you can yeah. do that so now you can get too. in like the stock market and buy like i want one share of um, 85 mcguire or one share of 52 tops mandel or something like that it's just like the stock market, man. I haven't gotten into any of that. No, that's not, that's about, not something I've done. <laughs> I'm thinking about picking up a, a con. I'm a UFC fan. I'm thinking about picking up a Conor McGregor sign. It's going for like nine grand now. It's, it's expensive though. It, like, oh. and you can, you're going to always hold it for like, I'm thinking like a 30 to 50 year like investment, but who knows? Those things like never, like, I, 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 just, I, just don't, I just don't trust them for some reason. Yeah, that's the thing. It's that there's, they're very hit or miss. Like if you look at my collection, I have a ton of cards from, guys that had really great rookie years and then by the mm-hmm. year three they're out of the nba mm-hmm. and it's like ah if i just want to sold it year one <laughs> it would have made some money now it's like i gotta blot them up they're pennies you know Ugh. so that's that's the thing you don't know until you look back and then go through your like oh let me look at my 2007 bowman and you go mm-hmm. oh i do have three clayton kershaw rookie cards okay that was good for me to hold these yeah definitely man so. definitely I, I love it. I love it. Other than that, like, uh, so what's next plans with um, a JR financial coaching? Uh, let's, let's dive down that. And then other than that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good on my questions. Yeah. So basically I, I'm, I'm scaling up where I'm working with resellers and gig workers specifically. Um, I do work with just regular people as well. I don't alienate, but uh, gig workers and resellers are my wheelhouse. Cause that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, when I said earlier about, recommending like things like uber and doordash to clients 
I do them as well on the side. Mm -hmm. So I like to recommend to my clients stuff that I do. So I can walk them through the process. I'm familiar with it. If they have questions and they see me doing it as well. So they know it's like, I'm not just, you know, spinning in a wheel here and say, oh, I'll go do that. You'll make money. I can show them what I'm doing and show them the process, how to be successful off the bat, as opposed to, you know, let me go through the, you know, the weeds and figure everything out for you. And then I'll show you what to do. And then you can just focus on being successful. So basically there, um, me personally, I'm always in the process of learning. So right now I'm in a doctorate program for finance, um, nice, few years congrats. away from that, um, working on being a, a certified financial therapist. There's 95 to 98% of my conversations with clients is a therapy session and 2% of it's about money, but it relates a little bit, but it's always about, uh, just how they're doing. And all that correlates back to their spending habits, their saving habits, their budget goals, you know, so just really getting into in deep with people and how they are emotionally and physically and feeling and you know for me it's just learning more about that aspect behavioral side of things so i can really help people address their future goals and then just you know growing and um trying to grow on instagram a little bit nice, nice. <laughs> slowly but surely and um, i'm actually relaunching a, a podcast um coming up soon um business-minded podcast on eliminating your outside noise to and uh, generating your internal success so that's that's coming up soon i like it man i like it well first off con congrats on moving forward moving that ball forward especially on instagram too that, that, can, be, that can be powerful tough, yeah yeah definitely and and good good work on uh Jera financial coaching that's i think that's made massive dude other than that dude thank you for joining us uh and hopefully we can do this again in the near future and best success to you too joy yeah i love it man anytime hit me up definitely.